friends, I'm Molly, your host for today, and thanks for listening to Relief from Darkness, where we're having conversations with people who've walked out of various mental health issues and into freedom. Today, we'll be hearing from Mary and her struggle with guilt and shame during various seasons of her life. Mary has a background in wildlife conservation and worked as a zookeeper for many years. She's now the Restoration Director of No Boundaries International, where she has served for the last 12 years, caring for the staff and volunteers. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Relief from Darkness, where we're continuing our conversation with real life people that are giving real life testimonies about the things that Jesus has walked them out of in regards to mental health and distorted thought processes. My name's Molly, and today we have Mary with us, and she's going to be sharing on shame and guilt and really where Jesus met her in that and how it's changed her life and how it's changed the way that she thinks about things because we know that if you change your brain, you change your life. So then with us, we also have Dr. Lori Basie. She's our very own designated brain geek. Hi, guys. And she'll be here for the brain dump portion of the show. And then we have our great friend, Carly, to help kind of facilitate questions. So with that, Carly, can you tell us about shame and guilt and really what that looks like? Yes. So I really love this definition. I think it it helps things make a little bit more sense um, just between the difference between shame and guilt. But guilt says that I made a mistake, but shame says that I am a mistake. Mm. So it's an Mm -hmm. identity connection. It's the internal torment of unworthiness or worthlessness. And sometimes shame can lead to toxic shame, and that occurs when a person's identity, so again, that identity factor, is feeling unworthy to a point where they may abandon or separate themselves from their real authentic self. Mm. And that can sometimes lead them to being dependent upon a false outward self through performance. So believing like I'm never enough or I always need to please people and so on, so on, or narcissism. So Mm. denial and blame. So that is shame. That was a good one. Yeah. And with that, we're going to hand the mic to Mary and hear about her experiences with shame. So Mary, I am really excited to hear about your heart and just your story. So Mm -hmm. would you give us insight on your walk in life and just touch on shame? Yeah. Um, I think I've had a few encounters with shame. I'm just going to break it into kind of three parts where I can highlight shame. Um, The first being where I was just a very young kid, Mm -hmm. and literally I stole a pack of Lifesavers. And in that moment, like I knew it was wrong, but I was actually proud of myself for doing it. Like I was like, I did it. I was wrong, but I did it. And I was so proud. And in my pride, I bragged to my sister about what I had done. And then it got to dad. Then I wasn't feeling so proud. Yeah. And then dad took me to store manager to return Lifesavers. And when I was called into account for what I had done, I felt the shame of what I had done. Of, of of the wrong in my heart for doing it. You know what I mean? Like my heart was not right to do it. And so I think the first place where I encountered shame was just 
inside my heart. And mm-hmm. I realized, and I think for all of us, like as a kid, like we're born into the things of Adam and, and Adam became ashamed mm-hmm. right? Right. in the garden. That's where shame enters. And so we're born into that. So as a kid, I didn't have to figure out how to do right or how to do wrong. I was doing wrong and I was excited about doing it and it was not good. Yeah. But I was taught that that internally there was something that didn't match that knew that that was wrong. And so that was, that was a place of shame. And then I knew as a kid, Jesus met me and I want to just, I know I'm going to talk about shame, but where Jesus met me in that, he changed my heart. And then the next place I had shame was after I knew Jesus, then I was just back and forth. Like I I didn't understand why I couldn't follow him well. Like I'm trying to do all the things. I'm mm-hmm. reading the Bible. I'm doing these things. And I see other people alive and growing and feeling like I wasn't measuring up to that. And mm-hmm. I, I would take on the shame of you're a bad Christian. You're not really doing it. You failing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're failing Jesus, you know. But in my heart, I knew that I loved Jesus, but I was always failing him. Mm. So there was shame in in my mind related to that. There there became a condemnation where you're constantly not measuring up to what you want to be and who you think you are. So then you're just in this cycle of recommitting your life or get saved again or make sure you're really a Christian because you're just buying the outside lie where where something is being put on you that says you're not enough. It's the thing. You're not enough. You're not doing it well Mm -hmm. enough. And until Jesus met me in that place where he said, like, it's his righteousness. Like, I can't self-righteous myself into being right. Mm. He, He had to make me right. And I had to understand that in my head. My heart was right, but my head had to get it. Yeah. And then after that, much later in life, like after I had been married and then I'm divorced and then um, just feeling like failure or, again, you didn't quite get it, but also you're used now. You're used. Mm. And so then just in trying to, to be acceptable and somebody wants something from you and you fall up under that, yeah. like I gave myself to someone mm-hmm. Physically, right? So my heart has changed. I got my mind right, but now my body is just going to respond to try to get love out of a place of just shame. Like somebody's got to love me or, you know. And so then physically, I felt shame after that because it, it didn't match my heart and it didn't match my mind, but I did it anyway. And so then I was like more ashamed than ever, because now, who am I? And so I just feel like uh, then God had to meet me in that place. And all those three, like, for me, it was work. This is working out your salvation. It started inside, and mm-hmm. then he worked it up to my mind, and then it worked its way out of my body wow. until I finally yeah. got it. Like, I'm saved and set free because of him, but I had to meet him in all those places. Wow. I always had to meet him. Or else I'm stuck in the cycle, wherever that cycle is, in my heart or in my mind or in my flesh. Mm. It's fully available to us because yeah. shame just wants to sit on us and keep us from being free. And, and Jesus never has that. So 
that's some yeah. examples. That was amazing. That is beautiful. Okay. That really was an incredible picture of even holistically what shame can do and even segmenting it into the heart, mind, body. Mm-hmm. But holistically, being in shame, it is, I'm sure, exhausting. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's frustrating. Yeah. And it's terrifying because you're not able. You're not able, which is the whole point of Jesus. But Yeah. You know, right. You mm. feel like you should be. And that's part of shame, too. Yeah. Is you should be able Mm-hmm. And shame says, you're lacking, yeah. which is actually true. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's only part of the truth with Jesus, and that yeah. is the problem. Yeah. So it just gets a little twisted, and then you're just stuck in that cycle yeah. over and over again. So, Dr. Lori, can you tell us what's happening in the brain? Can you give us the brain dump of shame and guilt? Absolutely. And let's go back to the definition just for a second. So shame, the message is I'm a mistake and everything that I do is flawed and defective. Mm -hmm. And so if we order our brain, again, we've talked about the the brain and the part of the brain that I want to revisit is called the reticular activating system, the RAS, if you will. And so in the middle of ordering our brain, if I've already had this preconceived notion that our brains are ordered for survival and simplicity, and so the simplicity of it is, is a long time ago, I believed and I've ordered my brain to believe that I'm a mistake and everything that I do is flawed and defective, then the reticular activating system actually orders your brain to what it's going to pay attention to. And so everything that you see that you do and every interaction that you have is going to bring back what your brain is already ordered. That's why preconceived judgments or things that we do or things that we look for are so dangerous. For example, if I wake up in the morning and say today is going to be the worst day of my life then my brain is already ordered and I'm on high alert to look for things that will filter in and make it the worst day of my life. And so if I wake up every morning and in the past I've been taught and I've believed and I've solidified in my neural pathways that I'm a mistake and everything I do is flawed and defective, it wouldn't matter what she did unless she reordered her brain, that she could do something that was outstanding and we could all go over and high five her, but she wouldn't hear that because she's already ordered her brain in the other way. Wow. And so I think it's just really, really critical that, again, the things that we're thinking about, how do we know if we're riddled Mm -hmm. with shame or with guilt or with anxiety? Again, the things that I think about are pure and praiseworthy and lovely. It's not lovely if I think that I'm a mistake and I'm flawed and I'm defective. And so somewhere someone has taught her that or some situation has taught her that, and she's got to connect Now, there's healthy shame, and that reminds us that we can't do life alone. So Mm -hmm. in the middle of the CPR, she's got to connect. She has to know that she needs help and that she needs to trust and depend upon others. And at some point, us saying you did a good job and her never believing that has to bring the, the warning sign that something else is going on and we need to figure out what that is. And so in the midst of that, then we have the psychoeducation with 
the reticular activating system, what I'm going to order my brain to find is what my brain is going to bring. And then the routine of walking out of shame, I think she alluded to that it's half the truth. That if we know first whose we are, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that it's not dependent upon what we do or don't do, it's dependent upon what He did. And when we encounter Him because of what He did, He died to take away the sins of the world. The only one that ever predicted his death, burial, and resurrection, he pulled it off. And so really then it not becomes so much about us, but about him that we know whose we are because of what he did. Then we know who we are, that we are born into a sinful world, but but the things that we do or don't do, if we can just be good enough or just be bad enough or not be bad enough, then we're connected to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we have to unplug from that and plug into the tree of life to plug into him based on what he did. And then we'll know what we can do. We'll begin to operate in our strengths and in our weaknesses, we'll know that we need a community that will surround us, that we're not going to be good and perfect at everything. And so again, the CPR back into shame really makes a huge difference. Mm, that's good. That's a good word. So Mary, I'm really excited to hear about how Jesus met you in it. Shame is always just like in the garden, my favorite place in the garden, um, like the man in Genesis 2, like the man and the wife were both there. They're both naked and they're both unashamed. Like that's God's, that's God's place. It's not just that we're unashamed with each other, but in front of him, our full entirety of our being is fully present with him and there's no shame there. And that is the, what he wants to offer us mm -hmm. like currently and that's what we get the invitation back to. But I have to recognize that there is the healthy shame where all have sinned and fallen short. And so even as a kid, like I, I have fallen short of the glory of God by virtue of my being. I actually am wrong. Like yeah. there is yeah. wrong in me as a person. But he came to change that, like exchange that. He exchanged my nature. He didn't touch it and band-aid it. He exchanged mm -hmm. it and gave me his new nature. And and that's what I had to learn, that I wasn't trying to keep fixing the old thing, but that I actually had something new and I just had to learn now instead of to listen. Like we're always trying to cover, like you're now you've got to hide. You're ashamed and you now you cover and you hide. Those are your those are your responses. And so either you hide and you keep hiding and you think you're hidden but you never are, so you're tormented, or you keep covering and you keep putting cover upon cover and like, okay, now I'll try this, now I'll try this, now I'll try this to get out of that yeah. feeling. But all those things are you covering yourself with death. Like so you never get out of the feeling, your hollowness just gets bigger. Because death doesn't ever cover death. Death makes death more present. Mm. And so Jesus being the perfect covering for death, like he's the only substantial covering. He's the only way that shame gets covered. But when he covers, he covers. Like mm -hmm. he doesn't, you're not hiding anymore. I'm now standing in front of him again with his Again, his righteousness, not my own. And when I could begin to 
hear those messages, like she was saying also, like, what is he saying? Not what is the world telling me through all my external things. He covered me internally. And now I'm living from that, the kingdom of God inside out. And so I'm not being told by the outside that I'm naked. I'm not being told by the outside that I'm shame. I'm being told by the inside that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm being told by the inside that he's covered me. I'm being told by the inside that he's made me holy and acceptable and blameless before him because of what he's done. And Mm -hmm. I can't do that, but his covering has done that. And as I began to believe those messages instead of whatever the external world message was, which were multiple. Right. The world has plenty of messages for you. Yeah. The enemy has plenty of, well, are you really's for you? But if I'll stop listening to those and truly believe him, which is the whole point, mm-hmm. if you believe in me and the words that I say, like the Bible's true, like he gave us things when we didn't know, like he's putting things out there for us. So for all the times when we get these messages, here's another way to open a Bible and look at a different message. And shame has to come at every place, whether it's your heart, whether it's your mind, whether it's your body. Shame has to meet Jesus. Mm, It's the only place. Come out of hiding and meet Jesus. Like, don't run and don't keep covering and don't keep hiding because you're never going to hide. Like, you're always seen in your hiding, which just makes you feel exposed and terrified. Mm -hmm. But perfect love casts out fear. And every time shame meets Jesus, it encounters love. Mm. It encounters love because he desires that we be covered. He desires that we be new. He desires that we be made whole. And that's that's what he taught me. Mm. So if shame wants to come again, then I'm going to turn and take it to Jesus because I'm going to meet love there. It's not that it won't ever try to put its little face out, but I don't have to sit in it and I don't have to hide with it. And I don't have to try to keep my little secret secret. I get to go and like run with all that's in me to the one who's covered me already and will continue to remind me that he's the one that's holy and he's the one that's done it and i'm sitting hidden in him mm-hmm. i don't even have to put covering over because he's become my cover you mm-hmm. know what i mean and so that i guess is just what he taught me <laughs> i'm blown away just that, like, <laughs> yeah. just that little oh, thing that's oh. powerful wow so it's, it's just rich like man Jesus, he's rich. He's rich. And yeah. he wants you to be, he wants us all to be rich, not lacking. Like, that's the thing. We're shame, you're falling short. You're lacking. Something's wrong. You're messed up. True until you have Jesus. True right. until actually not until you have Jesus, until you receive what Jesus has already offered you. Yeah. I, I don't have him. He has me. Mm. But when I learn that, I don't have to try to have him anymore. Trying to hold on to Jesus is very hard. Yeah. But Jesus holding you, that's big. Mm. You don't let go. Mm. So and it's just that posture of receiving. Yeah. Like I think a lot of times people, I mean, us, probably everyone sitting here has been in that trying to figure it out or trying to get it, being able to receive it yeah. freely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
And so, Mary, if there was, um, if there's someone who's listening that's struggling in shame or guilt, if there was just one takeaway mm-hmm. that you could just give, what would that be? I'm going to say Jesus is in the garden and he's, you're not lost to him, you're lost to you. So when he says, where are you? It's because he's acknowledging that you feel lost, not mm-hmm. that he can't see you, but he sees you and he's not ashamed mm-hmm. of you. So just come out of your hiding and just come to him, like wherever you are, whatever that is, just bring all of all of you in your entire self with all your weird stuff that you wish would be covered. Like just come right out in front of him naked. <laughs> I mean, that sounds weird, but that's just honest. Like the fullness of you stand in front of him and just say, God, man, I don't know. You know, and I'm going to trust that you know and that you do love me. Like the things you've done show that you love. The things that you've done show that you care. The things that you've, he's never done anything that would say otherwise. It's everybody else accusing him otherwise, even our own selves. But everything he's done for us has proven his love. And so just stand there in that and let him cover you. Mm. It's the only it's the only takeaway, but that he designed you that way. That's his design, like that you would be naked and not ashamed mm-hmm. because you're not naked in him. He sees you, he sees you glorified. Like he's not looking at your outside physical body, which is all the world mm-hmm. talks about. Like right. he's, he's acknowledging that he wants the body, but he, he wants all. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and he he calls us his beloved. Yeah, and it's a beautiful identity. Way it's better. Very than different. Shame. Yeah, yeah. one yeah. shame would bring. And I just yeah. get this picture of you mentioned earlier about how we try to put band aids on, and I just see this picture when when we're walking in shame, we're just trying to put a band aid on an infected wound when really it needs total restoration, and that band aid isn't going to do anything no, until the healer comes in. Yes, and cleans it. And puts on balm and exchanges what was broken and restores what was broken and brings it into healing. Yeah. That's a a beautiful picture. He doesn't Uh, even just restore. I mean, it's new. mm -hmm. Like, it's not even just like this restored old thing. It's something that's brand new saying, come under my covering, come under my newness, because it's not even yours, it's mine. And then all the... I think all of that pressure, mm-hmm. then there's no pressure on you anymore mm-hmm. to sit or to figure out. Mm-hmm. And then you're a new creation because you're you've you've not been with him before, right? You know what? When we were under Adam, we were an old man, but now when we're under him, we're brand new man that we don't even know, and that's why our mind has to catch up and our body has to learn, and but our heart knows it right away. It's a beautiful journey. <laughs> yeah. It is. He loves us. So, mm. Dr. Lori, if you could give one takeaway for a listener that's in shame or guilt, what would that be? Well, it sounds like then we need to be brand new, naked, and unashamed. <laughs> <laughs> and so fear, condemnation, Perfect. shame, yeah. guilt are always from the enemy. Mm-hmm. And as we're sitting there in that, 
I think we need to quit navel gazing and look up. And it's a bigger story that Mm -hmm. when our little tiny story, not about what we do or don't do, connects with his story and about what he's already done and what we can participate with that, Mm -hmm. then we together can make history. And we then need to give ourselves a break and take responsibility for the stuff that we did and say, oops, and I'm not going to do it again. And so I think about the Lifesaver incident. How old were you when you stole the Lifesavers? Like five. Five. I remember it well, though. I think about these little, (laughs) cute, adorable five-year-olds that we're working with. And I wonder if one of those kids that we know and love had stolen the Lifesavers, what would you say to them? Or what would you say now to your five-year-old self as an adult? Would you impose shame and guilt and condemnation? Or would you just say, let's not do that again. There's something better. But then give yourself a break. And so I think we need to give ourselves a break in the times where we feel shame and guilt and condemnation. Get our eyes off of ourselves, Look up to him and then ask him where he is and what he would have to say about us because of, again, not what we do or don't do, but because of who he is. And then it's out of that beautiful connection with him and connection with the community, understanding our reticular activating system, that then we could be convicted and then turn from the things that we shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge difference between conviction and shame, and condemnation, and guilt, and secrecy, and isolation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I got to say, Molly Buck. Yeah. That's my takeaway. And like Mary said, it's into the arms of our loving Father, mm-hmm. who yes. does cover, and who longs for us to be held by Him. Yes. It's just a beautiful process. And that's what He did in the garden. He covered. He mm-hmm. covered. First thing. And He covered from First the outside thing. there, because that's all that they were familiar with at yeah. that time. But later retaught us how to cover with him yeah not negating responsibility but just going with your brokenness to him yeah Mm -hmm. and letting him and then receiving the covering yeah Yeah. the store manager didn't whip me when i took the lifesavers back he did have me pay 25 cents (laughs) and he did keep the extra candy but I actually felt better after that. Yeah. You know (laughs) just being just be called to account. Right. And then accept and then go forward yeah Yeah. we don't have to stay in that don't sit in it yeah so stand before jesus uncovered and unashamed and naked and receive love and receive Mm -hmm. with everything in you that's what i'm hearing if we do that then we'll start to change the way that we think and if we change the way that we think and we reorder our brain and we change our brain eventually we will change our life and that is the whole point of this podcast relief from darkness so thank you guys mm-hmm. for being with us thank you mary for your vulnerability and for being here thank you it's been an honor so until next time we'll see you then bye Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.